Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Orlando Eastwood, director of On the Road, The Search for Bigfoot, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we got the exciting conclusion of Hayden's mistake. Uh, you know, if you, you know, <laughs> I would do a recap, but. If you if you if you just jumped in, just go listen to all the others and and come back at this point because you know this is this is the end. Uh, so yeah, you probably have heard everything up to this point uh, if you got this far. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to say is, of course, there's way more of this series to go. I mean, we're only barely touching the surface of of where this series goes. So uh, yeah, please enjoy the rest of Hayden's mistake. Hayden peered out from behind the equipment. The base was in its routine. Hayden saw that the worker changing station was fairly close. Since the Decran released fumes into the air, almost all the miners wore hazard suits. Hayden darted between buildings until he got to the changing station. Inside, he was blasted with steam as a couple workers were showering off. There were some open lockers and some clothes about. He looked through the open lockers until he found a suit approximately his size. He donned the disguise and was about to leave when a woman came into the locker room. She had a mining suit with a helmet by her side. Hayden nodded to her and left without a word. Hayden walked through the camp with his head held high. If he walked with a purpose, like he was on an important task, his chances of being stopped were slim. He made his way towards the armory. He glanced around to see if anyone was looking and then walked up to the door. He punched a code in the keypad, and the light turned green. They would have turned off his codes by now, but Hayden remembered Spider entering his code once. Hayden was lucky that they weren't quick to cut off Spider's access. He found power armor in his size and suited up. He grabbed a standard issue NT4K and slung it over his shoulder. He shoved the miner suit into an empty grenade crate and exited the building. There wasn't much time to investigate. 
Eventually a person would come to check on him and find out he had escaped. Hayden had to be quick. After leaving the armory, he felt a little safer. Not only because he was completely disguised by the armor, but also because he had grown accustomed to wearing it. The suit was so well designed, it felt like a second set of skin. At times, he would forget he was wearing it. The armor was a part of his body. It was a part he'd probably never wear again because he had a higher mission in life. Hayden decided to take the risk and head towards mining operations. The camp was still in a state of non-alert. Hayden punched Spider's code into the door keypad and the red LED turned green. Hayden entered the building. He expected to be caught right away, but most people ignored his presence. Soldiers had become a backdrop of mining operations, and people went about their business. As long as Hayden looked like he belonged, no one gave him another look. He walked through the corridors until he got to a room marked Archives. He attempted Spider's code on the doorway, but it blinked red. Soldiers didn't need access, so he tried a different tactic. He stood next to the archive doorway in a typical attentive guard fashion. A soldier on a guard wasn't uncommon. If a VIP or the colonel happened to be in the archive room, then there would be a guard outside. The entourage of the officers was always in random places, standing outside doors and hallways. Hayden thought that his ruse was going to work when a couple of people passed him by without a second glance. A portly man holding a pad with an inventory data sheet on the front stopped in front of Hayden. He looked up and down and said, I haven't seen you around here before. This is my first day, Hayden lied. Uh, Colonel Daudry or Operations Manager Tony? Uh, the Colonel. Uh, don't you honor guard boys have eagle talons? <laughs> I haven't had the right to customize my armor yet. Luckily enough, what Hayden said was true. Most of the new recruits had standard-issued non-painted armor. What Hayden didn't tell the man was the underguard almost never had blank slate armor. They were always recruited from other units. A new honor guard would have recognition, medals, and all sorts of stuff painted on their suits. But Hayden banked on the administrator from Ramses Deckrin Mining Corp to have little experience with military matters. Is that so? Yes, sir. Paint on your armor is a privilege, not a requirement. I didn't know that. Well, now if you excuse me, I want to focus on my duties. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Tell the colonel hi for me. I will. The man walked down the hall and Hayden stood at attention. A couple minutes later, a thin man stepped from the archive room. He was holding a pad with several signature boxes. He saw Hayden, and before he could say anything, Hayden lowered his weapon and ordered the man back into the room. There had been no one else in the hallway, so he didn't make too much of a scene. The man led him into the room with a single workstation. Archives were all electronic, so the computer was surrounded by several large servers and various network cables. The air was super dry and it was cold. It would be a miserable place to work without power armor. Hayden forced the man to give him computer access. Before the worker could sneak out and alert everyone, he stunned the man with the lowest setting on his rifle. His victim would wake in about an hour with a headache, but there'd be no permanent damage. Hayden had full IT access. He was able to get in the files that would be restricted to upper management. It didn't take much digging to find out the extent of the lie he had been told. The native Negromodians weren't being re relocated, they were being murdered. It was much easier and more cost-effective to annihilate a village and bury the bodies than relocate them. 
The few villagers that were relocated were just for show. Hayden pulled a video from the file. An entire village was gathered in the town square. They were gunned down and their homes set ablaze. The bodies were buried in an unmarked mass grave. Hayden felt sick to his stomach. He couldn't stop watching the video. Soldiers like Hayden were murdering men, women, and children. The few villages that were spared from the massacres were put on display. When officials from the Nicomodian government, members of the media, or any other person came to expect operations, they were given a tour of the relocation towns. The villagers from those towns were told that their neighboring villages that were not spared were relocated somewhere far away. Something caught Hayden's attention in the video. A commanding officer at one of the massacres was the colonel. He applauded his soldiers for their efficiency. Hayden was disgusted by how calmly the colonel talked logistics of the purge without any thoughts towards the loss of life. Hayden saved all the information he could from the happenings here in Negromoto in the databanks of his armor. Hayden needed to leave the camp. He had collected enough data at least to merit an investigation from the UPE. Hayden turned back towards the door as it opened. The portly man from earlier poked his head through the doorway and said, Hey Bob, was the colonel doing something at your station? The portly man saw Hayden's rifle a second after he realized Bob had been stunned. The blast caused him to topple over in the doorway and shatter the screen on his pad. Hayden heard a commotion from outside the hallway. A second later, the alarm sounded. Hayden didn't waste time covering his tracks. He burst out of the room and into the hallway. A man in lab coats tried to stop him, but saw the power armor and stepped out of the way. They would know that he has the data and would now try to stop him at all costs. There was no galactic network access out here in the frontier. He needed an escape plan. The villagers would be friendly to him because he had saved the woman and the elder. He would never make it back to Tech on foot, but a Negromodian could. They knew the woods. They could travel for days without being seen. The best chance of his data making it out to the world would be by contacting the village. First, he needed to make it off the base. He got to the side door of operations where he had entered. Hayden was lucky that there happened to be no soldiers in the building that day. Hayden poked his head out and saw a squad double-timing it to the front entrance. Another group followed somewhat behind. Hayden waited until he was sure no one was looking and darted from the building. Hayden hadn't seen Spider coming from the opposite direction. His adversary had already been heading to operations to investigate the usage of his personal codes. The base was in chaos. Workers and soldiers were running in various directions. They had no clue what they were dealing with yet, so Hayden could still move freely. A sergeant ran up to Hayden, screamed orders, and then ran to the next soldier. Hayden made a show of compliance and ducked away at the first opportunity. He was almost clear of the camp into the woods when he realized he wasn't alone. His intuition had saved him as he sidestepped at the last possible moment. A supercharged plasma ball burned a hole in the ground where he had stopped. Hayden glanced back and saw Spider standing on a floating disc and holding a plasma rifle. You're gonna die, baby face! Spider jeered as another ball missed Hayden and a dead tree burst into flame. Hayden hit the accelerators on his armor and charged into the woods for cover. Spider hit the boost on his disc and screamed towards him. A round of molten plasma cut holes through the trees as Hayden ran into the woods. Hayden sprinted through the forest while the plasma rained from Spider's weapon. He dodged through the trees as the Kray soldier blanketed the canopy with a burning liquid. Fire started in several locations. They flared with intensity and began to spread. Hayden needed a way to lose his pursuer. 
though the task was proving to be more difficult than he thought, since the trees were protecting Hayden from a direct line of sight, Spider must have changed his optics to heat or motion sensor. Either way, Spider was right on top of him during his dash through the forest. Hayden knew he wouldn't be able to lose Spider on foot, not while Spider still had a floating disc. So while Hayden needed to fight back, he doubled back towards some of the burning woods. The blaze was much bigger now. The fire was wild and jumped from tree to tree. It was an inferno and Hayden began to sweat even though he was in a climate-controlled suit. The aerial assault had halted as soon as Hayden got close to the fire. As predicted, Hayden was using a heat sensor to track him. The flames blotted out any chance of seeing a human. Spider would have to change to a motion detector next, but Hayden had already stopped moving. The fire crept closer. The woods groaned and crackled. A large burning tree branch crashed to the ground at Hayden's feet. He could feel the temperature in his suit build to an uncomfortable level. If Spider didn't descend to investigate soon, Hayden would suffocate in his armor. Just as Hayden was about to move away from the flames, he heard the hum of Spider's floating disc. He turned his head up to the sky and saw Spider descending through the smoke. Hayden pulled out a rifle and took aim. All it took was one well-placed projectile bullet. The bullet hit Spider's disc and the electronics sparked. It sent him in a spin towards the ground. He jumped from the disc and dropped into the trees. The disc spun, slammed into the ground, and exploded. Hayden ran towards where he had seen Spider fall. There is a cascade of broken branches and tree limbs. Spider's body lay twisted and mangled on the ground. Hayden ran up to the man. Spider's bones were shattered in several places. Even parts of the armor were smashed where it hit. Hayden tapped a few buttons on Spider's armor and the helmet popped open. His nose and teeth were crushed. He spat blood. We could have been the best of friends, Spider managed to say with a raspy voice. Before Hayden could say any response, he saw Spider pulling out a sidearm. Hayden pushed the weapon away at the last moment and the blast took off the branch of a tree. Hayden grunted and they struggled for control of the weapon. Even though their suits were doing most of the heavy lifting, they were still locked in a contest of strength, and Spider was winning. The gun moved slowly towards Hayden's face. Hayden cried out for one last breath, and then the tide turned. He flipped the gun back towards Spider's open faceplate. Hayden cried out, and with one large push, he pulled the trigger, and it was square in his adversary's face. The bullet tore through Spider's skull and killed him instantly. Hayden rolled off the body, breathed deeply. He didn't have time to collect his thoughts. Even if Spider didn't call for backup, somebody would have noticed the blaze by now. Hayden ran into the woods, and he didn't look back. Hayden waited to enter the village of the Negromodians and watched from the trees. He was far enough away from the sight lines of the various ocular enhancement built in the power suits, but not far enough that he couldn't see what was happening in the town. The villagers were sitting in a semicircle around the house of the woman Spider had raped. They sang a long, slow, chanting song. The translator never translated music unless the user was looking to understand the words rather than hear the sounds. It was the first time Hayden paid attention to the native tongue of the people of Nicaragua. It was a harsh language with hard sounds, which was a contrast to their peaceful nature. Shaw was not among the people, but Hayden was sure that he was there. His squad dropped into town from transports. They tore through the buildings, but didn't find anyone. Tomahawk and Firestorm stood guard over the villagers while Sarge looked out over the hills. A few of the soldiers were ransacking the houses, and Sarge scolded them. Sarge reported back to base, and they all jumped into the transport. The people continued to sing. Once Sarge and his group were clear from the village, 
Hayden came out of his hiding spot and made way to the town. The villagers continued to sing as Hayden approached. He looked for Shaw and noticed one of the villagers wearing a hood looking down. When Hayden got closer to the man, he saw his friend singing with the rest. Hayden flipped open his helmet. Shaw faltered in a song. Tatuku? Shaw said. It is you. I never thought I would meet the benevolent Terristiku. <laughs> We're not all bad, Hayden said. The worst atrocities are committed by those who are just following orders. That's why I need your help. I have a data drive with all the information needed to save your world. My place is here in the village, Shaw said. The villagers continued to sing. They did not even acknowledge his presence. We are singing the long song of mourning and loss. You mean she? The Tristigu took her this morning. I tried to protect her like you. That is why I was imprisoned. Then don't let her loss be for nothing. Not all of my people are bad. We just need to get this data in the hands of the people of Tech. That is your mission. You were chosen for it. I, I killed one of my own. They will never stop hunting me. They have near unlimited resources to hunt me down. You at least have a chance to make it back to Tech. A difficult task. But you did receive survival training, did you not? But they will murder you and everyone in this village. I've seen it happen. I have proof. If I must die, then I will bleed on the ground of my ancestors. At least come with me. My place is here, Taktuku. He sat down back in the semicircle. I must continue the chant. Without a second glance or another word, Shah jumped back into the song. The entire town had no idea what was coming. The only reason they were alive was the virtue of the fact that the colonel knew Hayden would probably return to the village. Hayden cursed when he heard the transports returning. Hayden wanted to scream at the villagers and tell them to run, but they just sat there chanting and singing to their deaths. Men, women, and children were locked in their suicidal ritual. The only way Hayden knew their death would be remembered was if he survived. So he ran to the hills as fast as he could, but he knew it wouldn't be fast enough. The colonel would have planned a trap. He would send Sarge into the village and have another unit watch them. Sarge probably didn't even know about the colonel's plan. It would look better if they did a thorough job of looking for him. Then, while he spoke with the elder, they would surround the area. That didn't prevent Hayden from running anyway. Maybe they tipped their hand early and sent the transport before the other troops were in place. What surprised him was the squad that was waiting to ambush him during escape was Sarge, Tom Hawk, and the rest of the gang. His squad would be the ones to capture him. Hayden put down his rifle. He could have put up a fight, but that would have gotten the people he'd grown to trust and like killed. Spider had deserved his fate. The others were just pawns in a game. He couldn't expect them to follow the same path as he did, but he had to try. You don't know what you're doing, Hayden said. Do you know what's going on here? Sarge looked at the group and nodded to Tomahawk. The others put their weapons down and, and Tomahawk ordered them to leave. As soon as the squad was out of earshot, Sarge stared daggers at Hayden. You think you know everything. A hot shot off worlder is going to fix all the problems of one damn planet in one rash move. They're killing these people. Everyone who's been here has killed a Negromodian or two. I know you're better than that, sir. What? I've just admitted to you that I'm a killer. That's exactly it. You use the word killer. So? Everyone else would say they're just doing their job or following orders. Sarge laughed. <laughs> you, you think this is one of those moments in a goddamn ebook where you convince the conflicted man to do the right thing? Hayden didn't know how to respond. Sarge was always a mysterious figure, but he felt as if he was about to find out a truth that was much stranger than fiction. Sarge continued. 
There are some things out in the universe far worse than anything this hunk of rock can cook up. Believe you me. The, the Shusharian Collective? I'm not talking about the Shusharian Collective. They're just another government like the UPE. Those things come and go. Species come and go. You think humans are the first thing to crawl out of their caves and slaughter the goddamn universe? I, I tell you what, you'll never make it back to tech by yourself, that's for sure. I have some people who can hide you, but you'll need to lose all your tech. But I have valuable information. Let's hide your data drive out here in the woods. I'll come back for when the place cools down and, and make sure it gets to the right people. There are plenty of alien rights groups who patrol in the streets of tech who'd love to see the stuff off the sanction tour. Why are you doing this? I've been working too hard to let you screw up my plans. For what? Never you mind about that. Now, are you going to give me that data drive? Sarge held out his hand. Hayden didn't know what to think. He didn't entirely trust the man, but he didn't have any other options. If one of the colonel's men had captured Hayden, the drive would be wiped, and Hayden would be shipped off to prison anyway. At least Sarge offered a chance that the news would be broken to the other planets of the UPE. Hayden handed the drive over. Sarge dug a hole in the ground and dumped the hard drive into it. He kicked some dirt over it and marked the tree with his weapon. Once he was satisfied, he turned back to Hayden. Good, now lose the suit. You can't have any tech on or the scanners will detect you. Before Sarge could get out another word, the colonel jumped from a clearing with Tomahawk at his side. A bolt of electricity burst from the colonel's rifle. It was a wide-angle setting and took down both Sarge and Hayden. Unlike the burst from Spider's cronies, Colonel Durdry's burst was perfectly calibrated to lock the suit but leave the man conscious inside. Hayden was trapped in the arbor, but he could still see and hear. His body could do nothing but wiggle. Tomahawk walked up and pulled out an energy blade. Before he thrust it into Sarge's throat, the colonel said, Wait, I have better plans for these two. The official account was that Sarge, Spider, and Hayden gunned down the entire village by themselves. There was just enough massacre footage released to collaborate the lie. When Hayden was caught, Sarge and Spider had helped Hayden escape. Spider felt guilty, so he's killed to protect their secret. There was even a forged confession to support their story. Afterward, Sarge joined his squad like nothing had happened. It wasn't until Sarge ordered his squad away after Hayden surrendered when Tomahawk claimed to notice something was wrong. The portrayal on Sarge's face was visible when Tomahawk took the stand. Because Hayden was a subordinate and only following orders, Hayden received life without parole prison sentence at the Fenpac Asteroid Mining Prison. Sarge received the death penalty. But since he was a citizen of the UPE, he was granted a three-year period to appeal the decision, not that anyone would give a mass murder a second chance. Sarge made no such attempts to appeal and disappeared from the prison during Hayden's first year. Hayden wasn't sure if it was murder or escape. In the meantime, he found work at what passed as a prison cook, until he saw another Negromodian. There was something different about her. She was much more than she knew. Alright, that is uh, Hayden's mistake. So the next one is part four, Cow's Revenge. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for listening.